0: My sister at the time was playing varsity basketball at Macaulay High School, and Mike Gleason was the head coach. He had just lost his assistant uh, and JV coach who got a full-time job um, and just couldn't dedicate the hours. They weren't a teacher in the building or anything like that. So uh, Mike had heard uh, through my sister that, that I was back home and, you know, thought, hey, this would be a great opportunity for for me. You got a former college player, at Xavier. You know, maybe Chris is, you know, has the ability Ability to come over and coach. I remember uh, my sister coming home and saying, hey, Coach Gleason wants you to coach JV girls basketball at Macaulay. And I remember thinking, like, JV girls basketball? Like, I'm not coaching girls basketball, man. I my sister play in the backyard. Like, that's about it.
1: All right. We have a couple of things we are super excited about here at the Underdog Podcast. We're excited to announce we just partnered with Chatterbox Sports, your home for live, local, high school sports. Head over to chatterbox.com and check out live games, scores, and updates from your favorite tri-state teams. We also want to give a special thanks to Buffalo Wings and Rings for their support in high school athletics. Buffalo Wings and Rings, the sports experience that goes way beyond just Buffalo Wings. Now, on to this week's episode. He didn't even want to be a high school basketball coach. But reluctantly, after his college career ended, he took the girls' JV coaching job at Macaulay High School here in Cincinnati, Ohio. He then went on to lead his alma mater, Xavier University, for 15 plus years as an assistant and head coach for some amazing NCAA tournament runs. Now, he's currently the perennial powerhouse Louisville Cardinals head coach and coaching every night on national TV. It's none
0: other than our guy, Chris Mack.
2: With that said, coach, what's poppin'? How we doing?
0: I'm good, Kyle. How you doing?
2: Doing really good, really good. Speaking of what's poppin', Jack Harlow is is up and coming. Those that don't know, big time uh, music artists, I think he has two of the top 10 hits in apple music and huge fan of L. so i first got i gotta say i know you have pictures with with jack and we're wondering calvin and i when are you gonna get out and and rap with jack or create your own remix what's going on
0: you know right now jack likes me so uh <laughs> went out there on, in public and started rapping i may lose that friendship <laughs> quickly so yeah uh, we, we we know you you're know, making he, he loves his cardinals and uh my kids think I'm a little bit cooler than maybe the average dad because I actually know him.
2: Yeah, not only know them, you're doing TikTok videos uh, with Coach Brandon from UC. We watch those, so you're dancing, you might be singing, I, a lot going yeah. on.
1: <laughs> and and we so we have we have a uh, every week when we release our podcast, we have like kind of a little hype video that goes out with each guest uh, and our, our one of our producers Um, Trey Bowden, he puts that together, and our background song is is actually the instrumental for what's popping. So I had no clue who he was. (laughs)
2: Yeah, well, it's a it's a pleasure to have you. Louisville and Cincinnati's two homes for us as well. Uh, We're based in Cincinnati, our organization, but Louisville is actually our largest region. We do staffing and recruiting, and we have four offices down there, and we have a lot of folks in our uh, community uh,
1: that are joining us today. So thank you again for for joining us. So let's get rolling. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So uh, this is the underdog, and what we like to do is really dive into that underdog story early on, or really kind of that journey of what adverse moments are that our guests have, have overcome, and ultimately, so our guests, our, um, our listeners can learn from that. So 1995, you're coaching 15-year-old girls at Macaulay High School here in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then you fast forward to to 2020 in in your coaching in front of 22,000 fans night in and night out on national TV. Um, Can you take us back to that underdog story where it began at Macaulay High School?
0: Sure. Um, You know, I think that, uh, well, it all began, you know, I came came back from playing. Uh, I was overseas, uh, Calvin, playing in Slovenia uh, and just, Body couldn't do it. You know, my knees were, uh, were having issues. Um, a lot of people know my story in terms of, like, tearing ACLs during my college time, and I was trying to continue playing, just couldn't do it. And finally came home and uh, living at home, like most college graduates, for the first few months uh, out of college. And my sister at the time was playing varsity basketball at Macaulay High School, and Mike Gleason was the head coach. He had just lost his assistant uh, and JV coach who got a full-time job um, and just couldn't dedicate the hours they weren't a teacher in the building or anything like that so uh, mike had heard uh, through my sister that, that I was back home and you know thought hey this would be a great opportunity for for me you got a former college player at Xavier you know maybe Chris is you know has the ability to come over and coach and i remember uh, my sister coming home and saying hey coach Gleason wants you to coach JV girls basketball at macaulay and I remember thinking like JV girls basketball. Like, <laughs> I'm not coaching, I'm not coaching girls basketball. Man, I watched my sister play in the backyard. Like that's about it. And uh my dad said, Well, you don't have a job, so you're gonna go up there and interview. And uh, so I did. Right you know, so.
1: Um,
0: you know, Mike talked me into it. And uh we 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 started practicing and uh I got very fortunate because our team was really, really good. You know, I had five freshmen that played JV. So they had moved up. They were, they were better than playing at the freshman level. And unbeknownst to me, I thought it was all coaching, you know, we're, we're winning games. We're 18 and two. I had the time in my life, you know, it was the first time that I wasn't playing. And so I was a part of a team, but in a, in a much different role. And, um, you know, at the end of the year, I think we, we ended up winning the championship and uh, all excited and going into year two, Mike Gleason decides to move those five freshmen that are now sophomores up to varsity. And I'm thinking, Hey, you know, I'm coach Mac. We're good. You know, like I you give me anybody, you know, we're going to win games. And then uh, my second year we were four and 16, we were terrible. And uh, that's when I realized, man, you better have some really good players on your team. If you want to be a considered a really good coach, very humbling experience. And uh, you know, from that point on, I uh, eventually became a varsity coach. Uh, excuse me, varsity coach at Mount Notre Dame High School. Um, I did that for four years. They were in the same league as Macaulay, obviously, and uh, really, really enjoyed running my own program. And uh, like most of us that coach at the high school level, uh, you know, I had a job outside of that. You know, I was in sales for for a local oil company, selling hydraulic oil and gear oil to manufacturing facilities. Uh, You name it. Probably wasn't selling that well. It was more writing underneath-out-of-bounds plays on napkins during lunch <laughs> than I was uh, selling gear oil. But um, I would take my team from Mount Notre Dame, Calvin, down to Xavier because college season starts much earlier than high school. And so we we hadn't started practicing yet. Knowing that Xavier already had full-time practices going, I, I wanted my kids, you know, the girls on my team, to understand what it meant to pay attention and practice, you know, in the back of the line, like your eyes are focused on the coach that's explaining the drill, uh, the intensity at which those guys played. And I wanted to learn stuff as a coach too, um, you know, now that I had a different role. And so I just kept that relationship up with Skip Prosser at the time, uh, who was the head coach then, but was my assistant when I played at Xavier. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another. And, you know, four years into my high school tenure at Mount Notre Dame, uh, I got asked to be the director of operations at Xavier. Uh, and it was, I, I was very, very fortunate. You know, coach didn't have to hire me. I had no experience other than the experience of playing for him. And, uh, you know, it just just, uh, I, I parlayed that. And obviously now being the coach at Louisville, that's, it, was a, it was the biggest break that I ever could have had. And uh, just very fortunate that Skip Prosser gave me that opportunity.
2: Yeah. And thanks for sharing your body of work. When we looked at it and like, once again, going from, Kind of JV girls basketball, nothing wrong with that. Great, uh, great sport and great school at Macaulay, but going from there all the way to Louisville. I mean, you most people might assume looking at you on the sidelines in front of twenty two thousand people that you know maybe it was an easy ride. That's not an easy. You you grinded your whole way through, and I know what it's like to be. You know, Calvin was a GA. You know, in the college football realm, I know a lot of friends in that, and it's, you don't make a lot of money and you work extremely hard. And uh, you pay your dues to get where you are. So congratulations on the success. The one question, Coach, I had, speaking of Skip, uh, uh, wanted to uh, talk about what are common traits of leaders, you know, you know who have sustained excellence, and why do you think those qualities make up a great leader? You know, you mentioned him. uh, Any other coaches you've worked for or maybe some mentors in the business?
0: Yeah, I think that, um, you know, leadership comes uh, in many forms. You know, there's different ways to lead. Uh, but, but at least for me, I think the best, uh, the best way that you can lead is to be genuine. Just be yourself. Um, you know, I think you have to, um, you know, again, it, it, you see different coaches out there and you see different leaders uh, in different leadership positions. But, you know, ultimately you have to be comfortable with how you do things. And I think the more authentic that you can be, uh, you know, and sometimes that means making mistakes. And, and owning up to those. And I think that gains the respect of the people that you that you're trying to lead. Uh, I, I've been around some terrific leaders. You know, I mentioned Skip Prosser. Um, he treated everybody that I ever saw him interact with like they were the most important person that he had met that day. And you know that, that could be the guy that was raking the leaves uh, outside our practice facility, or that could be you know the, the president of the university that was coming over. Uh, you know, to talk about an upcoming alumni event. It's just, he just had such a way with people. And I think that people that ever met him uh, knew that. I think that was what drew me to him uh, during, during my playing time, uh, during my playing years at Xavier. Uh, certainly I spent a lot of time around Sean Miller as well at Xavier. Uh, you have to really know your material and, and, and what you want, um, you know, what you want your identity to be. So that the people that are working with you and for you, um, you know, have a vision (laughs) They 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 understand that what, what is our purpose. And I think that's the leader's job is to sort of outline that. And I think Sean does that as well as anybody in the country, at least that I've been exposed to and been around. So, but let me tell you something, you're going to make a lot of mistakes in anything that you do, uh, especially as you go from being assistant coach to head coach, I made a thousand mistakes but owning up to those mistakes and, and making sure that your players know that, you know, you're not assigning blame uh, and they see you as fallible, I think is really important. And just, again, being genuine and, and sort of, you know, being comfortable with who you are and the leadership position that you have.
1: When you, when you talk about being comfortable with the way you lead uh, and transitioning to from, you know, not being, you know, from being a contributor to, you know, to, to leading a team, You know, how were you able to make that jump? And can you kind of elaborate on some of those challenges that you may have went through uh, with finding out who you wanted to be and really being able to incorporate that into your style of coaching and then recruiting kids to want to come be a part of your program?
0: Sure. I think that, um, you know, what what, what has worked for me, Calvin, is that uh, I think we're all like this a little bit, uh, but I, I really value it. And that is, I think you're a collection of all the people and the experiences uh, that you learn from both positively and negatively. You know, I had uh, during my playing years, some coaches that you know, it wasn't just in basketball. Um, you know, it could have been in, in, in baseball and soccer growing up. I had some coaches that I absolutely loved to play for. And I had some coaches that I didn't enjoy playing for as much. You know, I had some great teammates and I had some some teammates that uh, that I didn't care for a whole lot, and I, I think learning from each of those people and their experiences, and and then when you get thrust into a leadership position, um, trying to emulate you know those qualities that that you really really felt like you you know were brought out the best in as a player. You know what brought out the best in me as a player, and and I try to make sure that. You know when I coach whether it's on the floor during a practice drill whether it's you know off the court life skills when I bring a player up to my office and we have a sit down or I take him to lunch things that resonate resonated with me when I was a player I want to make sure I bring that across and and set that example for the players that I lead now so there's some challenging times but I think that um it all starts with how genuine you are and the relationships that you build with your players, uh, especially in today's day and age. A little different when I played <laughs> was you do because I tell you. Right. Kids nowadays sort of, they'll do exactly what you ask them to do, but I think they want to know why. why. I think it's my job to explain that. And, um, you know, I, I surround myself uh, with a staff that does a really good job explaining why as well.
1: So that kind of leads us into our, you know, our next point of, we know um, you are a leader of young men. You're a leader of 18 to 22 year old men, African-American, white, you know, of all different cultures, races you know, and everything. Um, and with everything going on with you know, the social injustice and race, you had a quote that you had put on Twitter uh, and I'll just read part of it. You said, on Monday, our team gets to Louisville, Louisville for the first time since the abrupt ending of our season. I'm looking forward to listening to my players, their fears, their stories, their advice. I hope we can play a part in helping to heal an entire community we proudly represent. Can you elaborate on the conversations you had and what message you and your team and the University of Louisville have wanted to get out with everything that's going on with social injustice and, and the, the the topic of race?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would think that the first thing I would tell you is that the, in terms of getting the message out, Calvin, I think it's not about, you know, me putting a message out, although I recognize my platform, mm-hmm. it's, you know, me listening. And, um, and that's, that's what we did on that Monday. You know, that's what we did as a coaching staff. Um, just because I played uh, a lot of my playing career and just because I coached a lot of my coaching career uh, with African-Americans, with you know black kids from different socioeconomic backgrounds, you know, just all different experiences doesn't mean and didn't mean uh, that I knew what it was like to to grow up black or because I have really good friends that happen to be black doesn't mean that I understand the experience. And so I wanted it to be a moment that uh, when we came back, the conversations were held. I wanted to be more of a listener than anything. I also wanted to be able to follow through uh, on anything that our players felt so strong enough, that they wanted uh, our program to stand for and to follow through. And uh, I got to be honest, it's, it's not something that just uh, is in a moment that takes place and is finished. Uh, we're, we're constantly learning, you know, we still have one player to get back. Who's arguably our, uh, you know, captain and, and senior that I think will have a lot more to say with that. And Malik Williams, who gets back here in another week, but um you know, we've taken small action steps, Calvin. We've got all of our players registered to vote uh, in their home states with absentee ballots. Um, awesome. You know, I, I do believe that I have some some young men that uh, that's just not their personality. Just listening to their stories, that they want to be out in front, and they they didn't feel so strongly that they wanted to go and protest. Although their their stories uh, were very very captivating, were very very authentic and real, um, but you know, you're around different guys that, that express things differently. And so uh, we're still wrapping our mind around, uh, you know, what action steps to take, but those conversations, uh, you know, are gonna continue to, to go on during the season. I'm sure we're gonna do things within our community and at games, if we're fortunate enough to play games, uh, that continue to, you know, try to stamp out racism uh, as it's seen in 2020.
1: So if I'm a you know I'm a 45 year old male and I have a 17 or 18 year old son who is being highly recruited and they're going to they're looking to come to Louisville to play and you talked about it now just a little bit as far as you know it's not about right now it's about you know what they're going to develop through these 4 years and what's who they're going to become as a man once they leave if you're coming to sit in my living room to talk to my son about coming to play for Louisville you know, what message are you getting out to him or, or, or what do you think? What, what am I going to know about my son once he graduates and leaves Louisville?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of different messages. You know, the, the, the recruitment isn't going to be one sit down in a living room, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, I, I, you know, in the, in the spirit of what we were just talking about uh, with social justice, uh, you cannot find a more diverse university um, than this urban one here in the University of Louisville both with faculty and staff, uh, and the students that are represented, uh, I think they'll get an incredible experience, you know, when it comes to dealing with all different types of races and all different types of people uh, and having your voice heard. I also think that from an academic standpoint, whether it was my time at Xavier or Louisville, um, you know, your son would be at a place where we care how, how, how your son's doing academically. Never had a senior, Calvin, that's finished their eligibility, that doesn't have their degree. And I think that's really, really important. You know, I don't want kids to have basketball use them. I want basketball to be used as a platform to hopefully achieve their dream in the athletic realm. But at the same time, when that basketball quits bouncing, whether they're 20 or 30, I want them to be able to be able to do something, um, you know, with that degree. And they're going to earn their degree during their time. As far as the basketball part of it, There aren't many coaches that can sit in your living room that represent a a more tradition-rich program than Louisville. You know, we're trying to get our fourth national championship. Uh, You know, that's what we're aiming to do here. It's why I took the job. So, from the basketball standpoint, (laughs) if you don't put me over the coals, (laughs) two things you might want to talk about from the basketball standpoint, I feel pretty good about being in the best league in the country in the ACC.
1: Had a hell of a squad last year, and fortunately, you know, things happen.
0: Very, very bitter ending. I still, you know – Every, I would say once a week, I just sit there and whether it's my office or a car on the drive home and think like, I cannot believe that's the way the deal ended. But not sour grapes because there are a lot of coaches. I mean, I think about the University of Dayton who had an unbelievable team. Now I think about Rutgers who hasn't been in the tournament in 400 years, you know, and and they finally get the opportunity (laughs) and it's just taken away like that. So it's um, a tough time for a lot of lot of college basketball kids
2: yeah and I think I think it always talk about actions speak louder than words and we were fortunate enough one of our clients uh that we support is Dwayne Sutton he works at a facility so I've got to know Dwayne pretty well actually season ticket holder ourselves and I've sat with Dwayne at games last year he's his own little spot up there um But, uh, you know, I know uh, personally uh, Dwayne and the things, I don't know Dwayne, uh, uh, you know, haven't crossed paths with him, but knowing Dwayne the way I know and how he speaks about you, coach, I think it's good for people that are listening to the podcast or live here to know it's not just talk you know Dwayne Sutton's not a he he expects high level of you know treating his son and he speaks up you know utmost you know everything about you is your stand-up guy and you treat his son and obviously Dwayne went through multiple coaches transferring and then coming in and in any way I thought that was important I don't think we discussed that but knowing Dwayne Sutton and uh, you know the senior I was devastated for you guys I was actually going to try to come down to to Charlotte or uh, Greensboro to watch uh, the tournament this year but uh <laughs>
0: Yeah, when you, when you mentioned Dwayne Sutton, and obviously I know um, Dwayne Jr. a lot better than I do Dwayne Sr. But uh, first of all, Dwayne Sutton might be one of my, you know, all-time favorite kids to coach. I mean, like there's, there's a kid that could play in, in 1985. He could go – he could play in 1995, 2005. If you tell him that he has to do something, he doesn't turn up his lip he doesn't like look at you like can you explain that he just does it and I think his teammates you know loved it Dwayne could have zero points zero rebounds play six minutes and wouldn't question you know one strategic move that we made as a coaching staff his dad was the same way you can tell how he was raised uh, that's a guy that I'm really really going to miss I think NBA teams um, you know are really starting to see all the intangibles uh, that, that we've seen for two years during our time with Dwayne. What an incredible young man.
2: Yeah, yeah, represents Louisville. So glad he had the opportunity to come back and, and play for you. Um, moving on, we wanted to have a little bit of fun here. So uh, we know uh, I've got to know John Brandon pretty good. So we have uh, the Brandon and Mac family feud. Who's, uh, who's John Brandon? John. Oh, yeah, yeah, I guess we should say that, even though we're here in Cincinnati. John Brandon is the head coach, great guy, head basketball coach of University of Cincinnati Bearcats, and happy to announce that him and – Coach, uh, between the relationship, are bringing the rivalry back, which will be here in Cincinnati this year. So, can't wait to have you back here in Cincinnati, Coach. But those that don't know, Coach Mack and Coach Brandon spent time quarantining together uh, in Florida with their families. So, we have a few questions here uh, about you uh, versus John. So, TikTok, TikTok, who is the better dancer?
0: Let me tell you something. There's a lot better than John Brandon at. I can tell you that I am better unquestionably at, at, at dancing than John Brannan. Okay. Doesn't mean that I have really good dancing skills. Kyle, that means he's really bad. <laughs> he's really bad.
1: And this TikTok video is still out there. Correct.
0: Yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah. You know, it's only a snapshot. I think, you know, I think you, 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 you shimmy a little bit and you clap and you get the heck out of the way. <laughs> right. So you, it's really hard to screw up. It's like, you know, how do you screw up toast? He's the, like, <laughs> It's a toast in the toaster too long. Yeah, (laughs) How bad of a dancer he is.
2: That is great. So speaking of toast, uh, next question, who's a better cook?
0: I have no idea. He ate a lot of cereal that week. You know, there was always bowls of cereal, so that probably tells me he doesn't cook very well. Uh, His wife's an excellent cook, uh, but I didn't see – he did grill out one night, so I'll give him that. You know, we grill out some hot dogs and brats. Um, Didn't burn them, so he's much better – with that stuff than he is the toast
2: okay well, who's the better cleaner
0: he seems like a um <laughs> although then that would be diminishing my cleaning skills with my what my wife says i organize but i don't clean you know so everything's like neat but you know there's dust under the stuff that's neat so probably john
2: okay who who woke up first
0: I don't know, we were on different sides of the house. And so uh, it, was, it was strange because, you know, we're, we're, we're making Zoom calls with recruits. You know, we were FaceTiming with recruits. And we had a couple kids that we were recruiting. The same. So, we, like, when we knew we were doing some, you know, uh, doing some recruiting or we were doing work, like you, you couldn't find either one of us in the house. So um, I, I wouldn't know the answer to that. Yeah,
2: he might have had your room tapped. We have to check with John on yeah. that one. <laughs> um, so uh, speak, you guys are both really ultra competitive grinders. If there was a hoop around, which I didn't see, did you play one-on-one or pig or horse? What, and who won, if if
0: so? You know, I John was a, a tremendous shooter. And I'm older than he is. And, you know, basketball is not a lifetime sport. You know, golf, tennis, those are the sports you can play forever. Uh, at this point in my life, I'm going to go ahead and give that to John. I have no shame in saying that. Basketball has passed me up in terms of being an athlete and playing.
2: Okay. Did you guys play any board games? And if so, who won those?
0: Uh, we did something around the card table. I don't, I don't... I can't remember what we played to be quite honest, but uh, I'm going to say I won. Okay.
2: <laughs> in, in the I'm last... Used
0: to, I'm used to winning. And so yeah. if it would have been really traumatic had I lost, I'd have been able to recall it if, uh, if I lost. So. No
2: doubt. And the last question on the Brandon and Mac family feud here, would you vacation with him again?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. His wife and my wife get along very well. Um, you know, it was, it was a good time. We were only together for four or five days. Our kids... Are comparable ages, so they really got along. It was TikTok central in on the one side of the house and in the pool. And uh, my five-year-old son, he gets along with anybody, uh, so it was yeah, it was a good time with the Brands.
2: Well, we appreciate you being open there, and we were knowing uh, having him on the podcast, and now you, we was like we we had we're just we were me and Calvin were sitting
1: there we're like we gotta ask Coach Mac about this whole whole quarantine experience. So absolutely, uh, and I, I think it's cool too that you guys won, are bringing the rivalry back, which is. You know, it's an overall record of 56-43 with the Cards holding the advantage. Um, and then the hundredth meeting of the rivalry will be this year if we get to play basketball. Um, yeah. With obviously, since not obviously, but Cincinnati won the uh, the very first meeting in 1921. Uh, with the with the high score of thirty six to, to sixteen, with some probably killer recruits there, <laughs> I think there'll be more offense in that game <laughs> but coming up. I, I just think it's cool, you know, for the for fans to hear. You know, a lot of times, it, you know, a lot of us remember the brawl and everything here, but you know, you always, you know, the, what what is a coach's relationship like? And it's good to see that you guys are the 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 depth of your relationship, but you're able to go out and com- compete in a rivalry that has been for so long and hopefully elevate not only your players' games, but elevate your games as a, as a coach as well and, and as a professional?
0: Yeah, yeah I, I think, Calvin, a lot of times coaches have different philosophies, and that's fine. You know, there's not one way to skin a cat. Uh, but I really don't mind uh, playing friends. You know, I, I would rather lose um, – well, first of all, I'd rather win. Let's make sure. That <laughs> I'd rather lose to someone that I have great respect for, that I know that does it the right way, that, uh, that I have a relationship I'm able to separate that uh, and trust me when I tell you I'd like to have bragging rights uh, but you know I didn't even I wasn't even aware uh, that when we uh, signed to do the deal that this would be the hundredth meeting so it's pretty cool uh, I'm glad for both fan bases that we can bring back what's been an incredible rivalry for so many years so many great players uh, and hopefully add to the magic moments that you see in Louisville's produced over the years so uh, and to do it you know, with a guy like John, you know, for for me personally, uh, it is a really, uh, really good thing. Awesome,
2: and I can't wait for the next year, right? Uh, Cincinnati will come down to you guys. Is that correct? That is, that's and, correct. And, and we're season ticket holders, proud to be Card Nation, even though I get a hard time up here. Um, Your season ticket representing holder, for everyone. Kyle, exactly, representing. exactly. I was rooting for me and Dwayne Senior were rooting for Louisville, and he was rooting for Michigan. I'm just saying. Uh, we yeah. went to that game because he's a Michigan fan. So this is the guy over you. here. How did that
0: turn out for you, Kyle?
2: <laughs> Turned out pretty good. We, we we beat those Wolverines pretty pretty bad there. Mr. <laughs> that's, a <different, laughs> that's a different episode. Yeah. But, yeah, um, yeah. Of
0: what, course it is, Calvin. <laughs> what
2: a city. We've been down there, Coach Mack, in, in yeah. the environment. We expanded our operations about eight years ago. And Louisville has treated – I mean, I tell people all the time, what a city. Cincinnati's great, but Louisville has treated us – with unbelievable hospitality. And now we're, like I said, we have the biggest operation down there. I love Fourth street, yeah. love going down there. It's great culture. Like you said, it's diverse. And then that environment, your guys' home stadium, the yum set. Yeah. Wow. It is just electric. Um, yeah. You
0: know, obviously when I took the job, well aware of the tradition that Louisville held. And I think, you know, both cities have incredible uh, people. Uh, I think you could raise your family in either city and not go wrong. Um, just, Incredible cities, both of them. But I, I think the one thing that, that I didn't necessarily realize when I took the job is that when you play for the Louisville Cardinals and you represent this basketball program, um, it, there's no other pro sports team in town, you know. And and I love my time at Xavier, and I and I think the program is is uh, an incredible program. Wouldn't trade it for the world. But you always had the Bengals going on, you know, and 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 the Reds, and it's just you know, you had UC, you know, here, uh, you know, outside of a few wackos that have blue on, you know, like Louisville is what the fans follow the Louisville Cardinals. And you feel that when you're a player, you know, when you're at the yum center, uh, when our kids are out and about in public, uh, they're recognized, you know, th- there's a tremendous responsibility that we feel as the coaches and the, and the players, um, you know, to win and to represent this city the the right way. But um, I I think recruits choose to come here simply because of that. I mean, you're the city's team, and we love that.
1: Along those lines, you just talked about winning. And when you take over a program, um, the word culture is something that's thrown around, I think, a lot in today. Um, Can you define what the word culture means to you um, and and maybe some of your core principles and values uh, that go along those lines?
0: Sure. I mean, it, it just, it's just who you are every single day. Um, you know, it's it's it takes place over time. You know, it, it. you can say that we're trying to build a culture all you want. You just you have to you have to do it every single day. And I, I think it, it revolves around, you know, what you said before, Calvin, and that is what are your core values? And, you know, I think if your players don't know it, if your players don't know, you know, what you stand for, how you want to practice, the identity of your team, then you won't have one. And so, you know, our players walk into our locker room uh, here at the practice facility, they're going to see three words. They're going to see tough, they're going to see together, and they're going to see unbreakable. And I think a lot of times when, when, you, when you think about sports, you, you immediately go to the physical. And that, that's, just a, that's just a small part of it. You know, whether it's mental toughness, physical toughness, um, you know, the togetherness, you know, guys being able to to play with one another, to share with one another, to cry with one another, you know, having a togetherness, I think is incredibly important in all that we do. And then being, you know, unbreakable, never flinching, uh, you know, we're, we're going to lose some games, you know, being able to be resilient enough to bounce back. It's a little bit about what your podcast stands for and, you know, dealing with adversity. And all the playing years that I went through with the adversity of rehabbing two ACLs, I think gave me a great foundation to to have that platform with my players. Uh, and uh, can't tolerate getting down and, and not believing in yourself or not or, or not or quitting. And so uh, th- those three things we try to incorporate really in everything we do. Our drills, uh, certainly our identity, uh, guys being in the weight room—you name it—it's uh, about being tough together and unbreakable.
2: Yes. Well, no. appreciate you sharing that and talking about on the court and then off the court. I wanted to touch upon as we head towards the end here to some of the guests want to ask some questions, but the Mac family foundation or coach Max corner uh, those that don't know the goal of coach Max corner and really the Mac family foundation is to introduce children to a new space for learning and foster a love for reading. Um, it's really to serve and inspire and help less fortunate children in Metro Louisville. And I know in some other areas as well, can you touch upon the stuff that you're doing and your players obviously as well off in in, inside that, that great community of Louisville.
0: I appreciate you asking that. Um, You know, we started our foundation uh, about five years ago, uh, four or five years ago, uh, really with the intention of of two things. Number one, uh, my family was my mom and dad were incredibly inspirational to me. They were also living role models, uh, you know, and giving back to the community and just being great parents and, they spent a lot of time with me. They went to a lot of my games. Uh, they went to every game. Um, and you know, when you're getting college basketball, you're, you're on the road a lot. And so I, I wanted my kids to not just have a, a privileged and entitled life because their dad's a, you know, high profile basketball coach and go on the charter flights, you know, in the locker room, meeting the players like that. That's a neat part of it, but uh, I wanted them to understand that, um, you know, it is about you know, helping others and serving others. And so I wanted my, my, my kids uh, to see that that was important to dad. So when they grow up, uh, that it becomes important to them. And so that's, we, we started that really out of selfish reasons so that our kids understood what it meant to give back and that how fortunate they were. And we wanted to go into, you know, communities that, that needed our help. You know, we wanted to inspire kids. And so whether that was through, you know, the coaching corners that you mentioned, uh, whether that's experiences of getting kids that would never have the opportunity maybe come to a game, come into the Yum Center. I mean, it's sad that you're going to have kids that are grow, going to grow up in Louisville and never have the means um, to, to come to a game. And so it's part of, uh, of what we do with the foundation. But the coaching corners that you mentioned, Kyle, you know, we tried to identify first starting in Cincinnati when I was at Xavier. I think there are five of them right now in Cincinnati, uh, in and around northern Kentucky as well. You know, schools that, that had well below the standard reading level. And we wanted to create a space within an existing you know, library that looked cool, that was different. You know, that had comfortable seating, that had beanbag chairs and, you know, had age appropriate books and books like Curious George and The Giving Tree, and Hardy Boys Mystery, and stuff that we all read that isn't assigned reading in classes. And so that was sort of the impetus behind these coaches' corners. It was a space that the kids, maybe incentive-based, we left that up to the school, but it was a place where the kids wanted to go, um, you know, and they wanted to, to enjoy reading and learn to read and not feel like it was assigned to them in hopes that we can sort of raise the literacy rate. So we Opened five of the corners um, in Cincinnati before I took the job in Louisville. And we've already opened up five here. And we're going to continue to open up coaches' corners and uh, underfunded uh, elementary schools that, that really need our help.
2: Yeah, it's definitely a big need. And uh, that the fact that you're addressing it and using your platform for positive movement for, for kids that really need it is a blessing. So continued success. And hopefully we can actually help in, in any way we can with that here in Cincinnati and Louisville ourselves. So one thing, uh, talking about staying on the family, I know a lot of your family, as you mentioned, your two daughters, your son, your wife, Christy, um, super involved. I love to see that you're, you're a great family man, at least from an outside perspective. I've heard, obviously, inside through John. Um, you recently were on a podcast. I found this really interesting, being a, a younger father. Me and Calvin were talking about this. And uh, somewhat, I guess, married the last seven, seven or so years. Uh, I've been you, married three. <laughs> you've been married three. So maybe you need some more advice here. So Coach Max said, uh, <laughs> advice on fatherhood, he said on a podcast, don't let the kids sleep in bed with you, which I thought was really a good, good point. And uh, for those that have a daughter, put your arm around your daughters often, and you may find a guy like you. And then for advice for marriage, you said to keep her happy, say yes a lot, and take out the garbage. <laughs> Can you, uh, you know, marriage and uh, fatherhood? Any advice for all of us listening?
0: No, I, I think that um, you know, w- with daughters, you know, moms have a have a different relationship. Um, you know, I, I want. I got two of the best daughters in the world. I mean, they're they're, they still want to hold dad's hand. They still want to you know, uh, hang with dad. I think those days may be coming to an end as I've got a sophomore to be and a freshman to be. Uh, but I think that, you know, just spending time with them and getting into, to enjoy their interests. Um, I, I think is really, really important. And I think that, um, you know, if you, if you're lucky enough to be a girl, dad, there's a special relationship that dads have with girls marriage advice. I'd probably ask you all versus <laughs> me giving it. Uh, but I've happened to be married going on our 16th year. So I can't say that I'm doing things all bad, but, um, who has a better you know, jump shot.
2: That, you, you were Christy? Let's, let's, I know she played at UD, right? So, or, or maybe, so you, 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 got her. Okay. He won't verbalize. He won't verbalize. Yeah. We'll have to throw it on YouTube. So. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: what I would tell you is, is, she was a much better scorer than I was. Uh, but you know, I, I think when we go out in the, in the side yard and shoot with the kids, I, I think mine goes in a little bit more than hers. So, um, that doesn't mean that, that she wasn't a hell of a lot better as a player than I was.
1: I, I was actually growing up uh, in Dayton at the time that she was playing, and UD was really, really good when she was there. So I, I told Kyle, I was like, I feel like I may remember her name. Uh, so I was curious to hear to hear your answer to that question, but I think you solidified that.
0: Yeah, she's a, she's a much better player than I ever was, Calvin. And so uh, I give her all the credit in the world. I think I was a better defense defensive player. I don't think she played any defense, but <laughs> – no, the, the longer you, you get removed from your playing years, nobody asks about your defense, you know, it's about you know how many numbers did you put
2: yeah. up. I'm so happy for you, Coach. And, and I know we had some chat questions, but we've, we've taken up a lot of your time. And I think at the end of the day, there's so much knowledge nuggets uh, that you left with us today. And we always say, hopefully we can give a nugget and take a nugget. And you gave us a lot more knowledge nuggets than, than we could ever ask for. And the things you're doing in the community and being open about some of the, the issues going on in the community as well. Uh, we're super thankful for, for your, uh, representation with Max corner in the Mac family foundation in Cincinnati and Louisville. And we're here to support you as well. And, uh, it's a blessing to have you on the underdog podcast. So thank you so much.
0: Hey, thanks for having me guys. I greatly appreciate it.
1: Appreciate it, coach. Yeah. Yep. Thank you very much. Hopefully meet you soon. Thank you.
0: Sounds good. Have a good one guys. All right, man. Good luck to you.
1: Yep. Thank you thank everybody. You. Appreciate it.